Good morning, everyone. It's Judith A. Culp. You're listening to Mad Love. Welcome. What's going on? Happy Wednesday, February the 3rd. So, yeah, everything's going pretty good. I can't really complain. Uh, just going quickly, you know? It feels like New Year's Eve was just the other day. But we're moving into this year, and like I always say, you got to be on top of your goals. You got to be on top of the things you want to get done, checklists and all that. Last night I was watching this show, uh, uh, Fake Famous on HBO. Really fascinating. Basically, you know, <laughs> to to make yourself look influential online is fairly easy. You know, with $1,000, you can probably make yourself look like a millionaire. And then because of that, people will pay you money because you have influence. And some of it's real and some of it's not. But apparently it doesn't matter to, to the people who are paying you because they, they you know, want uh, that reach. You know, they want brand exposure, whatever it is they're paying you for. So, you know, apparently some huge percentage of people that follow Kim Kardashian on, uh, on um, Instagram are fake. But, you know... So you have, what, 90 million followers or something crazy. But from a business perspective, if, you know, 10 million of them are real and do anything she says, that's still, you know, quite a, a large group of people who will buy and spend their money because she said, you know. Um, so you probably need 100 million <laughs> to have a, a legit 20 million followers. It's, it's fascinating. And, you know, she 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 doesn't get credit for building her own brand. I mean, she gets way too much credit for for a lot of things in my opinion. I don't particularly find her talented or interesting, but she was able to early on, you know, call the paparazzi and let them know where she was going to be. I mean, she did a lot of what Donald Trump used to do. To like make yourself famous before you're actually famous, you know, which is why I guess they don't complain very much cuz they did really pretty much bring this on themselves and then the sex tapes and then just who she chose to date like it was very strategic if you ask me and that I think she should get credit for everything else I don't understand I don't I don't get it but uh so anyway fake famous if you have HBO check it out it's it's interesting excuse me I think that's my first nose blow but I had to do it You see, I'm pretty clogged up, so it really wasn't a good one. So sorry, uh, not sorry. This is what you get. I'm I'm unedited, <laughs> and it's shockingly a cohesive podcast every day, uh, because I don't edit it. The only ones I edit are the ones with guests. Everything else is all you getting it raw. So anyway. That was pretty entertaining. I don't know why people are giving Jason Kilar such a hard time about releasing theatrical films on HBO Max. I mean, what did they expect him to do? If you keep reading, you'll see the virus is still mutating. It's still highly contagious. It's nowhere close to being, you know, eradicated. We may be closer this year than we were last year to trying to get some contain on it. But it's still a thing. And to be honest... Who knows when movie theaters will be open to the public like that again? Who knows when people will feel safe enough 
to go to a movie theater like that again. If you had a friend or a loved one who passed from COVID, you probably don't care anything about being in a movie theater or any place where there are other people because you know how contagious and, contagious and deadly the disease is. So this is going to be with us for a while. And I get it. When you have your artist hat on, you're just so precious about your art and everything. But I'm also a businesswoman and a capitalist. And, you know, respect. During this time, people have shown you they need bandwidth and they will stream the shit out of anything. They, I watched Tiger King and I can't even believe that. And so it's been so hard in modern history, you know, to have people watching the same things at the same time. You know, that's very much something from the 70s and 80s. You know, MASH was this record-breaking, the finale was a record-breaking show because, you know, 30 million, 50 million people were all at home at the same time watching it because that was the only time it was going to come on. You know, that is very much a product of my childhood. Hey, my show comes on at 7, I got to go. You couldn't record it. There was no way to, to, VCRs came into the scene in the 80s. And that was revolutionary. Wait, I can tape my show? <laughs> I can watch it at my leisure over and over again? What? Listen, basically, uh, adversity requires some sort of innovation. And HBO Max exists, so why not use it? I still think it's a terrible name. But, um, yeah, it's a poorly named uh service hbo max it makes you think you're watching a version of cinemax but anyway i like to and respect the decision and uh you know they're putting out pretty high quality content but i've always been an hbo fan uh i interned at warner's and i didn't even realize i think that was right when uh time warner be was a thing they're no longer merged but uh i during the interview, I was just naming all the stuff that I liked. That was Warner Brothers, HBO, <laughs> Lorimar. They were like, okay, you really you really know the product. <laughs> I do. So um, anyway, respect Jason Kalar because I, I think unprecedented times deserve unprecedented moves. And, you know people who are complaining i guarantee you there are filmmakers who are ready to take their slot you can put all my shit on hbo max i don't care you know what i mean it's like i get it you think your movie should be on a movie screen awesome when movie screens return <laughs> god knows when we'll do that so i don't get that the other thing i don't get and i know i said i was gonna do this and it's shocking that i said i was gonna do it but it's really for me i'm making a, a political statement um, so I have a screenplay called Adore. I came up with the concept and idea in 1987. Yes. The Prince song Adore is on Sign of the Times. And I remember the first time I heard it. You know, Prince was everything to me when I was in high school. And by 87, I was graduating and going to college. Yes, I'm that old. And so um, that that whole project is a big chunk of my ending of high school in the beginning of going to going to Howard. And so uh, it was impactful. It's the soundtrack to 
a very huge part of my life this 1987 record called sign of the times so on that record is a door and i heard the song and it was just you know prince didn't really write a lot of love songs he had slow songs that were mostly sexual but a door was really something different from from him and at that time and it was powerful and it told a story and as a writer young writer i thought oh this would make a great screenplay I went to Howard, finished my freshman year. I think I wrote some really kind of rudimentary basic script because I had just taken my first screenwriting class and I was pretty full of myself. And uh, I was excited. And it wasn't a great script, no doubt. And, uh, you know, one of my friends read it or whatever. And I kept working on it. 87, 88, I kept working on it. And then I moved on to different parts of my life, uh, you know, school got more challenging. I got way more social and I didn't pick up the script again until I graduated from college. And it was almost like, I remember it was February of like 1992. I had graduated from college. I was, um, really struggling because I told my parents like, look, I want to make movies. I don't, I don't understand, uh, why it's so hard. And, why don't you guys have more money to send me out to LA so I can make this happen? And I was just being a brat and really a pain in the ass. But truly, my parents really didn't save for my future. We we nickeled and dimed. My, me and my dad hustled my way out of college. We patched something together between his uh, income and student loans, and we made it happen. And, and, and but you know. They didn't really put away money like to buy me a car or to, you know, help me get my first house or anything like that, which I understand sounds bratty. But these were the friends I had. They their parents were able to do those things for them. So I was really in my feelings like, well, what are y'all doing? (laughs) Because this is I'm not getting what my friends are getting. You know, one of my friends was able to move to L.A. and her dad paid her rent for like the first year or something. Gave her all her furniture. And I was like, dude. Where how where they do this? I what what y'all doing? Like my parents were like, You we put you through school, good luck. The rest is on you. And uh yeah. So I didn't have a lot of money and I me you know, my uncle got me a job at like a factory. I did that for a little bit, but I was like, dude, I am not a factory worker. I am degreed, you know, it was just really challenging for me. So during a pocket of of me putting my foot down about being a screenwriter I sat down and I wrote a screenplay and it's, uh, I rewrote. In fact, I think I scrapped the first version of a door and I came up with the version that's pretty much intact now. And I'm saying all that to say is I, I do intend to start reading that screenplay. I'm going to do it a couple times. And, uh, if I get the feedback that you guys want to hear the sc- actual screenplay, uh, all the way through, I will continue. If not, I won't. Um, if, if you guys want to read it, I can put it online somewhere. I can actually even sell you a copy. I had, a, I had a publishing deal set up on demand, you know, for people who, I just never pushed it. You know, I've never been in this for the money, so I haven't really been great at making money. I was never into the podcast for the money. It was just this cool thing I did before I went to go make money. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like it's time to turn all this content into, into you know something that I can put a monetary value on and I can do full time so 
you know, you all are a big part of that. So anyway, I said I I don't want to do period like I don't look at period pieces, but I'm I'm very tempted to keep this script in 1992 and just make it a contemporary because even though it's a period piece, you know, I'm I'm so frustrated with Hollywood because while they're talking about diversity and inclusion and all these programs and what they're going to do, which is all horseshit, you know, come on. Can we please have contemporary stories with black people in them? And I get that 1992 is also a period piece now. <laughs> it wasn't when I wrote it, but it is now. Uh, but it's still more contemporary than this, this shit from the 60s and these slave movies. I mean, I'm really done. I can't. I accidentally. What did I watch? that was a period piece. And I was like, I really shouldn't have even watched it. But it was good. I, I forgot. It was something on like. Uh, I can't remember recently I did watch and I was like, damn it, it's a period piece, but I'm gonna stick with it. It was good. Um, oh, Fargo. I watched, but I, those, that's an anthology. And so the way they tell the anthology, almost all of them are some sort of period piece. And I was okay with it, but other than, I'm not watching no more period pieces. We still alive. We're still here having interesting experiences and maybe they're not all the ones you want to talk about but quit coming at me about how much you care about black people in february and you won't make a contemporary love story now listen if it's made worth my while to turn a door into a story from 2021 as opposed to a story from 1992 originally 1987 i will but i don't see why i can't keep it intact you know it should be a contemporary 90s love story. That's still more contemporary than most of the shit they put out here with black people on it. I mean, we're still alive. You you see black people working beside you doing regular shit. Everybody ain't no hip hop artist. Everybody ain't no gangster. I just don't get it. it. And so when you have these institutionalized, like real examples of racism, you know, I, people really don't go after Hollywood the way they should. I mean, because you got all this reality TV now, you think, oh, yeah, OK, well, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. And those people aren't like anybody I know either. You know, I, I just get frustrated because I am a screenwriter and a visionary in a lot of ways. And I'm not tooting my own horn except for toot toot. <laughs> I've been at this a very long time and I'm very good at it. And I just own that part of it. What I'm not good at is having somebody, you know, tell me, uh, actually it was four doors. Somebody was like, listen, black people have, uh, fights. And when they fight, they stab each other. Your script does not have one stabbing scene in it. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have had plenty of fights I've liked plenty of boys and I, none of them have ever like tried to stab me or I've never tried to stab them. What the hell are you talking about? The characters are Howard grads. Well, one of them is a Howard grad. And it's like, this is, this is an homage to the black intellect. What the fuck are you talking about? So anyway, uh, if you guys are interested, you know, the people who know me reach out and hit me up. I'll, you know, I'm, I'll read it and I'll share it. And hopefully you guys will pass it along. If you dig it, uh, if you want to buy it somewhere, I can make it available. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're still here. That's the point. Not so much, you know, and I'm ready. Like, I'm telling you, all I need is a financial partner. 
I've got the content, but I want to do it my way. And see, that's where you, you get into these. They want to give you notes and they want to tell you how black people are. And I think that was a black producer who told me about the stabbing. I was like, Negro, I ain't doing that. So, you know, the reality is we need to be our own bankers. We need our own venture capital funds. We need our own shit so we can produce our own movies. And I've said that for the last 30 years because it became clear pretty early on, like, oh, I'm not going to get anything, you know, done the way I want it done because I'm not paying for it. They tell you, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. Well, I'm ready. So I'm looking for a content partner because people are going to need that. They're not going to be able to do business the way they used to. You know, they're going to have to acquire smaller companies and just know that they can churn out projects. This vanity shit is probably going away. I mean, yeah, if you're uh, what's her name and you can get on Shonda Rhimes and you can get a fat deal from Netflix, that's great. But what's what's someplace like Warner or or Sony or Paramount? What are they going to do to compete? Because they're not going to be able to afford to pay, you know, uh, Shonda Rhimes and the other guy from... um, I can't think of the Glee guy, you know, Ryan Murphy, you know, they're not going to be able to give people those sweetheart $300 million deals. You know, they're not subscription based and Netflix is, is on fire. So yeah, it's a lot going on and I'm obviously passionate about it. We're still here. I just don't understand why we can't have contemporary movies with black people in them. All right. Yeah. Happy black history month. Uh, (laughs) And, you, you know, you can't you're not supposed to say this kind of stuff. I I guess I'm a radical. I'm a black woman of a certain age who is not a liberal. And I'm telling you, if you really start being exposed to real extreme liberals, you won't be one either. It's disturbing. They're just as off kilter as the people on the other side. Unhinged. They're, you know, crazy ain't special. Crazy looks crazy no matter what side of the aisle it's on. Um, but anyway, that's my thing for today. Uh, I enjoyed chatting it, chatting with you and chopping it up. I am passionate about this issue. And people really, you know, if you want to talk about diversity and inclusion, get on Hollywood, man. They're a big reason why our shit's all messed up. Because I kid you not... Look back into your brain and think about the last time you saw a movie about black people that was contemporary. Yes, you have the photograph and yes, you have, you know, I think that movie with Tracy Ellis Ross. And there's like some but a big hit film with stars that that was just like a big movie about a contemporary situation, you know, and yeah, they'll give you like. Yeah, Issa Rae. That was I like Issa Rae. I didn't watch the photograph. I'm not sure why I didn't. Uh, I like both of those actors, but it's just like, <sighs> yeah, which is shame on me. You know, I'm supposed to support right because I'm lobbying for contemporary films. But it was something about the way it came out. I'm not sure if it came out during COVID. It kind of got lost for me, and I was like, oh, it's on HBO now. So I was gonna circle back, but you know, it's like, dude. Let us make real shit that's happening today. I just, I don't understand in terms of films, you know, and I I like Insecure. It's not aimed at my age group, obviously, but, you know, 
And they use the N-word way, way, way too much. But I think it's a good show, you know. But can we can can we get a little bit more? Can we just have a little bit more? Because if somebody else tells me to watch another period piece, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> Tired, man. Tired. <laughs> That's my Chris Rock for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Stay well. Stay well. Be safe, friends. All right.